0: good to see you. I'm glad you're here. This morning is the second of five weeks, a five week study I should say, that we've set aside to discuss the doctrine of the church. Two weeks in already, I mean as of today, I believe that we could have set aside 30 weeks for the subject and might have found it still yet not enough time. So uh, we're a Touching the surface here, nonetheless, this morning we turn our attention to polity, um, and more specifically, how we organize here at Redeemer Fellowship. How we organize as our church family. We desire to exalt Christ, serve one another, and love our neighbors. That's who we. That's who we long to be. That's our. That's our um, statement of purpose here at the church and. As such, Redeemer Fellowship has organized herself in obedience to the Scriptures as an elder-led congregational body of believers. And I want to add to that, that although spiritually led by a certainly of the Lord, right? We serve as under-shepherds, but I hope that is not only implied, but stated often, but... Although spiritually led by a plurality of elders and served by a group of five qualified deacons, a heavy weight of importance and responsibility lies upon all of us as the congregation as well, right So it's the congregation that bears the ultimate Responsibility to settle things like settling disputes between Christians. Think Matthew 18 in your study. Uh, it's the congregation's responsibility to exclude members, Second Corinthians chapter six, and and to um, bring in and add members uh, to to be aggressively practicing the one anothers of Scripture. Uh, that's, that's all part of the responsibilities of the body to together foster a culture of evangelism, a culture of gospel uh, within the body, and, and even to promote among ourselves as we leave this place um, gospel witness among uh, our neighbors um, from those who have gathered here, right? And then, of course, Hebrews 13. Um, it's, it's the responsibility of the body, and this is a heavy weight um, to... To obey and to submit and to, to pray for elders who are charged, as Hebrews 13 says, with with keeping watch over your souls. And that is a heavy thing. And so this, this list is by no means meant to be exhaustive, but it's my attempt to reveal before we jump into our subject this morning that our fellowship, our family, our church body, it's not to be a spectator sport. Um, But we are a body that relies upon each other under the ultimate leadership of our head, Jesus Christ. Um, So this morning, uh, we're going to limit our focus of church polity uh, to the office of elder. And I'm going to do that by inviting you to turn to 1 Peter chapter 5, and eventually we'll get to Acts chapter 20, Um, One's written by Peter, of course, and one was written by Paul, What was written by Luke? But it records the words of Paul to the elders. Uh, but we'll get there in a moment. Uh, until then, join me in First Peter chapter five. If you are new to Bible study, you can start at the back and find your way there. Revelation and Jude, First uh, and Second and Third John, and then get to the Peters. Find the first one, turn to five, and that's where I am going to read with you this morning. Before I read, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank You for the way our family has had opportunity to rehearse the Gospel in song this morning. I'm so grateful for songs that point me to you, Your Son Jesus and the finished work that He performed upon the cross so that sinners could be reconciled to You through faith in the Son. Lord, it's my prayer that if, if there are folks in this room who have not trusted You by faith and have not been born again, they're not, they're not converted members of Your church, Your bride, Lord, would You work in their heart and lead them to repentance and to salvation through Jesus? Lord, thank You for doing that work in those who, are, who have yet to call upon Your name, and thank You for doing that work in us. We worship You. We exalt the name of Jesus this morning. We thank You for Your Word and ask that You would help me preach it um, uh, to Your glory and for the good of all of us. And I pray that in the name of Jesus. Amen. 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 1-5. through five. These are Peter's words here. Um, so I exhort the elders among you, as a fellow elder, and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you. Not for shameful gain, but eagerly. Not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples the flock and when the chief shepherd appears you will receive the unfading crown of glory verse 5 likewise you who are younger be subject to the elders clothe yourselves all of you with humility toward one another for God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble this is God's word for us his people now the outline is pretty self-evident From this passage, we'll study the the role of the elder. We'll study the responsibility of the elder. And then finally, we will look at the reward of the elder. Let's look first at verse 1, the role of the elder. Notice what it says. So I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. It's noteworthy to point out the context of 1 Peter. We do this with all of the books that we study, verse by verse and phrase by phrase, as we're working our way through a book. But when we jump into the fifth chapter of a five-chapter book, um, it's important to at least establish um, some of those things, right? So so 1 Peter was written by Peter um, to address a couple of things. Now, now, knowing that those who seek to live a holy and godly life will suffer, Paul writes this letter to address holiness and suffering. Now, the passage that we've come to, the last chapter, verse chapter 5, the first five verses, is sandwiched on either side by chapter 4, verse 12, which we'll look at, and chapter 5, verse 6 through 11. In the first one, chapter 4, verse 12, Peter calls every believer to not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon them, but to rejoice instead insofar as it means a sharing of the sufferings of Jesus. Notice this, chapter 4, verse 12. Beloved... Do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. Verse 13, But rejoice in so far as you share Christ's suffering that you may also rejoice and be glad when His glory is revealed. And then he goes to expound upon that before getting to our passage. After he gives the passage to the elders, he then follows up with this theme and bookend Of suffering in chapter 5, and he does it all the way through verses 6 through 11. But in that section, Peter addresses the suffering that is caused by anxieties of life and the attacks of the devil. Why would Peter sandwich this exhortation to elders right in between these two bookends about suffering? Well, I'll suggest two possible reasons, and I I frankly think that both apply. Um, The first is this. The leaders of the church are not immune to suffering. In fact, as was the case of Paul in Ephesus, elders who are seeking to biblically lead the church in the gospel will have upon their back A bullseye for the flaming darts of persecution. Yesterday I was running with a group downtown Chattanooga, and one of the guys in the group I had met a couple weeks prior, and and we realized we were both followers of Christ, and um, we've actually tried to get together a time or two in between the first meeting and yesterday, and... um, uh, it just so happened that yesterday was the first time to get back together. And, and I found our, we found ourselves running alone together. And at some point in time during that run, I said, Hey, bro, why don't you uh, tell me what book are you reading right now that's helping you with your walk of the Lord that, that I may need to uh, grab a hold of? And uh, it was strategic. I asked him at the bottom of the hill so he could talk throughout the run of the hill. Uh, But he then began to tell me, and one of the books that he's writing is about fathers, Christian fathers. Did I say writing? I meant reading. Um, A book on being a godly father and how the father is called to lead and to shepherd his family. And then he talked about that for a moment, and it it was very good. But the reason I bring that up to you is to draw a connection between the bullseye that exists upon the back of the church leaders and the bullseye that is upon the back of you dads. And I want you to be cognizant of that um, so that you will not cower in fear, but that you will pay special and close attention to your own soul and, and burrow yourself in the Word to this leadership position that you've been called to to lead and to shepherd in your own home. Okay, So there's a connection there. So two things. First is that leaders of the church are not immune to suffering. And the second reason I think the elder portion is stuck right here is this. Believers who face suffering need the care and the example of church elders who have themselves walked with dignity and godliness and Christ-like grace through trials and suffering. Your elders will not do that perfectly, right? But Peter's writing to a group of elders saying, listen, elders, shepherd, care. Because suffering is all around. You're not immune to it. And in fact, your body, your sheep, need to be able to look to you. And even when you fail and fall on your face, they're looking to you to, to learn how to run to the cross amidst those things. So I think that's why it's here. That's a little aside for you. The term elder is often used interchangeably, and we'll interchange them in our language here at the church, but it's often used interchangeably with the word pastor and overseer, and it can be used as a noun or a verb, as happens and is is the case in this passage. We'll see that in just a few minutes. So let's kind of jump back to our text now. Notice what Peter says about himself. I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder. Again, I point out this aside, because Peter doesn't refer to himself as an apostle here, as an apostle with authority, but as a fellow elder. In a minute, we'll look at Paul's words to the elders in Acts chapter 20. But Peter, like Paul, he grew up in humility, right? As they grew in Christ's likeness. He was also growing up in humility and it's evidenced here. Christ-likeness, growing up into Christ our head and growing up in humility go together. They are inseparably linked. And because the two of them go together, they, they lend themselves to unity among the body. Right. So I wanted to point that out. And before I jump deeply into this text, just to remind you of words of Paul in Ephesians chapter 4. Um, When we approach this text, when we jump back into our passage or into our study of Ephesians, Pastor Bill's going to be teaching this um, text, but for now, let me just read what Paul says is an admonition to the body. He says, I therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, I urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. And that comes as we each are growing in Christ-likeness, growing in humility, and desiring to die to ourselves for the sake of Christ and the body. And that's how Peter responded to himself. The role of the elder. Look with me now to verses 2 and 3 at the responsibilities of the elder. Verses 2 and 3, which I'll, I will only read as we come to it at this point, but Peter lays out three primary responsibilities that belong to the elder. So simply put, elders are called to, from this passage, first thing, shepherd the flock. The second is exercise oversight. And the third is to, it's toward the latter part of this section, to be an example among the body and the community. So let's look at each of these, making certain to notice how, how Peter reminds the elders that the flock that he's referring to, it ultimately belongs to God, right? And Mark has mentioned that this morning. Bill has mentioned that this morning. And we all want to keep underlining, this is, this is not a church of a person, but we are members one another of the church of God, Jesus' is church. We are his bride. So the flock that Peter's referring to ultimately belongs to God, remembering that the chief shepherd is Jesus and the elders are called to serve as under shepherds. So let's look at this together. We've put some notes on your screen here. The first thing that I want to point out um, about elders as shepherds is this elders are to shepherd with clarity of purpose. Now I've, I've begun here in 1 Peter chapter 5 with Peter's exhortation to the elders in general. Um, but I, I want you to know that I considered and even when the elders and I met Thursday morning I said I believe I'm going to be preaching out of Acts chapter 20 um, throughout our study and look at the elders and uh, Instead, I'm going to go now to Acts 20 and lay it over what we're learning in First Peter. So can I get you to uh, turn over to Acts 20 with your finger held in First Peter 5, because we're coming back. Um, found in Acts chapter 20, Paul is leaving Asia. And he's leaving Asia en route to Jerusalem. And with him, he has representatives from many churches who have taken up an offering to take back to Jerusalem. En route to Jerusalem, he stops on the shores just outside of Ephesus. And there he calls for the elders, plural, from the church, singular, in Ephesus, to join him for a final exhortation, for a final word. Um, In 1990, Shannon and I were married. A few days later, I shipped off to begin the process of going to Desert Storm. Won't bore you with that story, which you've probably heard too many times. But on one of those final legs, my oldest brother was in the caravan that drove me back to Fort Campbell, Kentucky. And Our brothers have a a special and unique bond, but we are not high on showing emotionalism with each other, right? So affection and emotion, we kind of grew up keeping those to ourselves. But my brother Jeff pulled me to the side prior to them all leaving me there at Fort Campbell. And just he and I, uh, I remember him cupping my face in his hands and sharing some fine potential, think about that, some potential... Final words to me. The content of which is safely kept there on the sidewalk at Fort Campbell, Kentucky, right? The content of that's not the point. The The thing I want to point out is Paul knows for certain. The Spirit has told him. He will never see the elders from Ephesus ever again. He spent 18 months to two years ministering to them and alongside them And he he has a certain word that he wants to share with them. His message is poignant. His message is... It is an emotional gathering. There's many tears flowing from everyone, Paul included, but Paul challenged them to remember what he had done while he was with them and to challenge them with what they, elders, must resolve to do in his absence. Um, And what does he say? First thing he mentions. What what do shepherds do when they are leading in this manner? The first thing is that they feed, right? Shepherds feed. Um, Probably for the rest of my days, I will not forget what Mrs. Kibble did for me. Uh, Mrs. Kibble and her family, members at Woodland Park, her her grandkids were in my youth group. And when I left student ministry at Woodland Park to go and pastor Utawa, it was not unheard of for folks from Woodland Park just to pop in on us and to encourage us, to rub shoulders with us, see see how Chris is doing, see how Shan's doing, and then head back to their church. Well, Mrs. Kibble was no exception to this. And one Sunday morning, I guess less than a year into our pastorate there, I noticed her in the pews, and I, I'm preaching through whatever book we're preaching through. And afterwards, the crowds kind of gathered around me, and Mrs. Kibble is part of that crowd. And she comes up to me, kind of the the part the C's part. And she comes up to me and says, "How are things going?" And I said, "Oh, Miss Kibble," and we we hugged and stuff. And I said, I, "You know, I think the Lord's been very kind. It's 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 crazy, Miss Kibble. I mean, I think, I mean, there have been a lot of people who've been." Who've started to come to our church, and it's it's amazing to see. And she stopped me. She said, "Chris, God told you to feed them, not to count them." I said, "Yes, ma'am, Miss Kibble. <laughs> I'll just keep feeding." So, Paul had spent about eighteen months to two years feeding the body in Ephesus. While there, his primary purpose was to equip them in the Scriptures. Even though the Jews, the Jewish leadership, had tried to silence him with all kind of persecution, Paul remained vigilant to his primary calling. His text, like we saw last week when we saw the inspiration of Scripture, was all of the Scriptures. And his subject was the Gospel of Jesus Christ. Not only how people could respond to the gospel to be saved, but how believers were to grow in the gospel so as to impact every aspect of their life. This is no doubt why one of the characteristics that is to be true of the elder is an ability to teach. Whether that be from the pulpit, or in a small group, or one-on-one across the table from one of the Sheep within the flock. Notice what he says in Acts 20, verses 18 to 21. He writes, And when they came to him, so the elders had made their way to him on the shore, he said to them, You yourselves know how I lived among you the whole time from the first day that I set foot in Asia, serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and with trials that happened to me through the plots of the Jews. How I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you in public and from house to house, testifying both to Jews and to Greeks of repentance toward God and of faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. Look down at verse 26. He doubles down and comes back to the same subject before he leaves them. He says, Therefore, I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all. Why would he say that? For I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. Earlier in the book of Acts, in fact, Acts chapter 6, a problem had arose among the early church body at the time. The problem was legit, the problem needed to be addressed, but the apostles, the ones who had given themselves to prayer and to teaching, um, they could not be the ones to address it um, for fear that it would take them away from their primary purpose. So they called together the congregation, the body, and they called them to set apart, appoint men from among you who are filled with the Spirit who can take care of this task. Um. I will say, as it relates to our polity in the church, that those group of men in Acts chapter 6 were a prototype of what would become under Paul's teaching the office of deacons, right? He'll write about them in Timothy, and he'll write about them in Titus, that were to be established in all the churches that would come alongside elders among the body. And we at Redeemer, we are blessed to have five men serving currently in this capacity, and I'm grateful for them. Men, I'm grateful for you. Um, elders serve by leading. And deacons, serve by, they lead by serving. My friend and distant mentor, I say distant because I was never in his church, he happens to be um, Ruth Isaac's father when he was candidating with his church in Chattanooga, actually Eastridge Presbyterian and they were praying through the process of calling him as their pastor he told them this he said, I will serve you best by spending the majority of my time in my study and preparation to feed you well this is what I'll do if you call me as pastor he said, and he told me that the first month of my Time is serving as a teaching pastor in the church. Now, Paul, back to Acts 20, Paul commended the elders to God and to the word of his grace. You'll see that in verse 32. Why? Because they would only be able to shepherd the flock under their care, strengthened by God through his Spirit and standing upon the unshakable and unchanging rock of the Word, the very Word that they were called to preach and teach. I'll step aside from this passage just for a second to admonish the dads and moms and students, kids in this room. The Word of God is solid rock for your footing. All other philosophy, input, has the potential of being shifting sand. But the Word of God will stand forever. It stands as counter to the culture's message. But it is our message because it is the message directly from God. Shepherds feed. Second thing is shepherds protect. Now a major component of the role of the shepherd, elder, is to protect the local body from false teachers in particular and false thinking in general. Paul made himself very clear about this with the elders on the shore of Ephesus right there who had met him on that beach before he sails off to um, Jerusalem. Look at chapter 20, verse 29 and 30. I know that after my departure... (laughs) He is sparing no punches here. I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves, so even within the body, will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. The other night, running again, I I stopped on my way home after a day at the office at reflection riding and got in a few miles of running and then as I was coming back to the car, I heard the sound of what sounded like a hundred wolves 50 yards away from me, right? The sound gave me the heebie-jeebies at the prospect of what one half of a puppy wolf could do to me, but much less a lot of them now remember where I was, right? I just wasn't thinking. I meant reflection writing. And I guess they have some in captivity. I don't know what they have, but it, it it made me get in my car fast. I'm just telling you that right now. Paul is referring to people who would lead members and his sheep astray. And he is not putting it in soft-pedaling words. He's saying they are ravenous and they want to destroy people. Whereas the aim of of the faithful elders' Bible teaching is growth in godliness, the aim of false teachers within the church, and philosophies from without, um, which are fed by our adversary, the devil, is to draw people away from Christ. Shepherds feed, shepherds protect, and finally shepherds lead. Much could be said about the way that elders are called to lead the congregation to grow into Christ, our head, and function as a, a light post for the gospel in our community. But I'll just mention one thing from the context of Acts chapter 20. Okay? Look at verse 28. In verse 28, Paul commands. It doesn't suggest. He commands that the elders... Pay careful attention. I've put that in air quotes. You were looking at your text, which I'm happy for, but uh, he commands the elders in Ephesus to pay careful attention to themselves. Now, don't be confused here. Paul's not calling the elders in Ephesus to guard their me time, <laughs> but to be vigilant vigilant to care and feed their own souls so that they are fully awake to care for the church that they shepherd. Look at verse 28. He says, pay attention, pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God which He obtained, Jesus did, with His own blood. We've spent a lot of time talking about that in Ephesians 1 and 2. And if that's a new concept for you this morning... Let me challenge you, encourage you to go back to our website, listen to some of those messages through Ephesians 1 and 2, 2 especially where God, Jesus created the church. But what an urgent call. What a poignant reminder for elders, for dads. As it relates to elders, congregation, this is not a um, softball pitch request from us to you. But please pray for us. Pray for us as we seek to pay careful attention to ourselves as individual men as well as a team of elders. Pray for us as we pray for you knowing that our church family was purchased by the blood of Jesus. The enemy would like to get to you through us. Let's turn back to 1 Peter chapter 5. Back to our main text here. Verses 2 and 3. We've seen how elders are to shepherd with clarity of purpose. Let me add to that this. Elders are to shepherd with godly attitudes. Elders are to shepherd with godly attitudes. Look at verses 2 through 3, what it says. Peter again, don't be confused here. Now we're back to Peter. Where he says, shepherd the flock of God that is among you. Exercising oversight, not under compulsion, keyword, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly not domineering over those in your charge. Three things, um, none of which I'll elaborate upon. But the attitudes with which the elder is to shepherd the flock is willingness, eagerness, and meekness, Or the last one, to do so humbly, right? Again, I won't take the time this morning to develop these characteristics other than to say this. These characteristics are dependent upon a constant work of grace by the Holy Spirit. This is not natural in any of us. It's not natural in you any more than it's natural in us. Um, But it it is dependent upon a constant work of the Spirit and surrender on the part of the elder. So finally, third thing here as it relates to shepherding. Elders are to to shepherd by being a godly example. But being examples to the flock, our passage says, Again, by God's grace, the life of the elder will serve as an example to follow among the body. Though far from perfect. Sometimes the greatest example they will set is how quickly they run to the cross as they model the life-refreshing grace of confessing sin. Sometimes this is the content of our gatherings Every two weeks when we meet on Thursday mornings together, Paul wrote in his letters to both Timothy and to Titus a list of qualifications that they were to look for in men that were to be set apart to serve alongside them as elders. And I just I've, I've written down the words and qualifications from First Timothy. I just want to put those out there for you. Um, I'd love for this to be the content of your future study as he does this also for the office of deacons. But here's what he says in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 2. Listen to this. Therefore, an overseer must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not a drunkard, not violent but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his own household well with all dignity, keeping his children submissive. For if someone doesn't know how to manage his own household, how will he care for God's church? He must not be a recent convert, or he may become puffed up with conceit and fall into the condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must be well thought of by outsiders, so that he may not fall into disgrace into a snare of the devil. D.A. Carson writes about this list That the most extraordinary thing about the biblical prerequisites for elders is that they are not at all extraordinary. In essence, the list of these qualifications for both elder and deacon, the primary difference between the two is being apt to teach or able to teach for the elder, is a picture of the Christian life lived out in union with Christ by one that is striving to run from sin and toward righteousness to the glory of God. Pray for your elders as they walk in this manner. Pray for other men in this church who may, even as I'm talking about this and having it in their own hearts and minds, be praying with an aspiration to this office. Pray for some of our children who are going to grow up and by God's grace, Lord willing, grow up into Christ so as to be future elders of this body. Let's look at one more thing, and that comes from verse 4, and that's the reward of the elder. Notice what it says in verse 4. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Now Paul told Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 3 just before that list of qualifications that I just read, he says, if anyone aspires to the office of overseer, he desires a noble task. And I just want to tell you that with the noble task comes the promise of reward that will be rewarded um, and awarded to the one who endures. But although the reward that awaits the elder that faithfully endures is great, hear this, a great and sobering accountability also exists that underscores the weight and responsibility of every elder. Would you turn with me to Hebrews chapter 13? It'll be the last place I ask you to turn this morning. I'm not familiar with many elders who know their way around the Bible who are not fully cognizant of the latter part of this verse. The rustling of pages is over, so I'll read now. It's good. The author of Hebrews writes, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls. Listen to this. As those who will have to give an account. Young British preacher, probably 150 years ago, was being encouraged by his professor who also pastored a large church. But the young guy who had just been called to his brand new charge was being called to a very tiny church in a small village. And fearing that the young pastor may be a little discouraged at the size of his congregation, drew the young student to this verse. And he says, you know, don't be discouraged by the size of your congregation. Be grateful and even thankful for for those whom he has called you to shepherd, knowing that the number of people for which you are held to account is smaller. Minute as a joke to the student, but it lands soberly upon those who get the drift of this passage. Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. Mark and Bill and I did not talk about this, but I feel safe that I could say on their behalf, that it is a joy to serve as an elder among you. It is a high calling, but it is also a high privilege. We do so as jars of clay, fully cognizant of our shortcomings to this end. We do so as part of the body, knowing that we are elder-led as we've just set out But there are those responsibilities that are incumbent for the body to to recognize and own. A list of which I've shared with you. We are served well by deacons who seek to run from sin and run toward righteousness and want to lead the charge when they see the need for service. That does not mean that those of us who are beside them would just sit and watch them do it but they're the lead cheerleaders who are making all this happen. And it's an honor to be a part of that circle. It's an honor to be a part of Redeemer Fellowship. When we pray amongst ourselves and when we pray on Wednesday nights and when we pray on Sunday mornings that God would add to our number those who are being saved, we are praying that God's glory and fame would spread more and more and more across our county and the nation's. So we seek to be equipped in this room so that we as a body, when we leave, we carry with us the Gospel mandate. Don't take lightly, as I close here, don't take lightly the call to pray for your elders. And don't take lightly the call to pray for the body by name, specifically and individually. The opening screen on my computer is the picture that we took on this stage right here? Many faces have been added since then, but I look at that picture and I'm reminded to pray for the individuals in that picture. As a body, ask God to give you a joyful heart as you seek to employ your giftedness in this congregation. And men in this room, if you aspire to the office of elder, it is a noble task to which you aspire. And as we saw in verse 4 of 1 Peter chapter 5, there awaits a great reward for the elder who faithfully endures. However, and thanks be to God, one doesn't have to be an elder to have an eternal reward to look forward to. Right? Remember, from Ephesians 1, that in Christ you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and you believed in Him, in Christ, right? So you, you recognized the separation that your sin had created between you and holy God. And you realized by God's grace that the only way that you could have that separation repaired was through faith in Jesus Christ. When you believed in Him, You were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit who is the guarantee of our inheritance until when? Until we acquire possession of it to the praise of His glory. And I would add this, my own personal word, just for a second, may God, may God give you the spirit of wisdom and the revelation of knowledge in Jesus having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which He has called you and what are the riches of His glorious inheritance in the saints. Together may we grow up in Christ, Redeemer. Pray for us as we pray for you that we might run from sin and run toward righteousness, that we would be equipped in His Word that we would see our body as family, a fellowship, who seeks to exalt Christ, serve one another, and love our neighbors to the glory of His great name. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank You for the opportunity to open up Your Word. It is um, it is a light and a lamp. Lord, I pray that we as a church would continue to walk in a desire to submit to it and to You. But we are Your bride and You are preparing us for that time when You come and, and claim Your bride. Lord, I for one am grateful for the provision that You have given to Redeemer Fellowship of our deacons, of our elders, and of the members of this body. We do pray that You would add to our body through people becoming saved. That You would be so kind to do this in spite of us. Lord, help us to grow deeply in Your Word. Help us to stay and pay attention to ourselves so that we'll be equipped to recognize when things are askew from how You would have us live and what You would have us believe, and upon which You would have us to stand. We thank You for Jesus. We thank You that You have done perfectly what we have no ability to do in and of ourselves. Or from elders and deacons and members, Lord, the only good in us is You, Jesus. So we pray You're honored and glorified with and in our lives. And we pray this to be the case in Jesus' name. Amen.